If you have a Bible with you, if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to jump around a little bit in this story. Um, it's the story of Joseph. Many of you will know it. And actually it ties in um, really well with, with what Craig uh, shared there just as we closed worship. I don't. Did you catch the live stream or were you just prophetic? There you go. He's just prophetic. So uh, it was... Yeah, he, was, he wasn't at the first service either, okay, which, uh, he was having a break, okay, it wasn't that he, it wasn't that he disagreed with it, um, but it uh, ties in really well with that. So I think there's something in this for us today. So let's have a little read in Genesis 37. I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll call out the verses because we'll take little snippets from it rather than reading a whole extended passage. Uh, verses 6 to 8 says this. Uh, uh, This is Joseph talking to his brothers. Um, He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Verse 9 then says, uh, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. Verse 11, the same theme is repeated, and his brothers were jealous of him. Um, And then verse 18 to 20, um, They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what becomes of his dreams. Um, The title of my message today is Dreams and Dungeons. Dreams and Dungeons. I, I believe most of us here probably had a dream at some point. I believe there is something in the human heart where, where there is something about having a dream, having a purpose, having a vision. Now, now there's part of me that feels a, a little bit uncomfortable almost talking about that subject because it can feel a little bit uh, cheesy. It can feel a little bit Hollywood, a little bit, you know, Disney, a bit, uh, you know, hey, follow your dreams, guys. I don't know why. It had to have an American accent, okay, but there's just, there can be that sense about it. Um, I remember being in, uh, in work and someone brought in a cup and it said on the side, um, shoot for the moon and even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. That is, just, just, uh, not, I, that, that is pure cheese right there, okay? Um, also scientifically inaccurate because the stars are much further away than the moon. But I digress. Um, the, but nonetheless, regardless, there is something that the Bible says about this. The, the Bible talks about this topic. So God creates mankind, puts him in a garden, t- says to Adam, be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it. He gives him a dream. He gives him a destiny. He gives him a purpose, a reason for being there. And most of us will have in our hearts some sense that God has put us here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. Jesus had that. For this reason, the Son of Man came uh, that he would testify of the truth. The Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has a dream. Mankind has a dream. And that is true for every single one of us here. 
I just want to tell you that this morning. It's, it's a bit early in the message to get preachy, but let me get a little bit preachy. The, do you know what? You have a purpose. You have a destiny. You're here for a reason. You're not just here to sit through life and get to heaven at the end. You are created. You are designed for something. God has a dream for your life, and you should too. Yeah? So... We're here for a reason. But, but I also believe there's probably people in a room this size, I, I, I'm willing to take a guess that some of your dreams, uh, for some people here in this room, th- they face challenges in, in the last while. Uh, that's, just, that's not me being necessarily prophetic. That's just statistical likelihood. That, that there will be people here, and maybe you have had a dream of, of a business, uh, and that's struggled in recent months. Or maybe you've, you've got a dream for, for your family, uh, you're believing something for, for your kids or, or for relationships, and, and that's not working out the way you'd hoped. Uh, or or may, maybe, maybe it's something in ministry direction, uh, and you know what, it's not opened up. Uh, wh- whatever it might be, I, I'm guessing there are people here, and your dream uh, is, is not working out the way that you'd imagined or originally hoped or the way that you thought it would. And if you're not one of those people, uh, I'd encourage you to take notes anyway, because I can guarantee for every single person who has a dream from God, who, who recognizes that God has a purpose for your life, you're going to go through moments, you will go through times in life when that looks like it's the least likely thing on earth to happen. You will go through that. And Joseph goes through that. Joseph gets a dream from God, and then immediately that dream is attacked. And so I want to give us three big principles from the story of Joseph that, that just look at this idea, idea of dreams and destinies and, and help us analyze what do we do with a sense of purpose, this sense of calling that God has given us. So p- first point is this when it comes to dreams. Number one, give up on your dreams. Give up on your dreams. I always like to say something controversial and countercultural, right? But let me put the emphasis. Give up on your emphasis on your your dreams see here's what we don't see with joseph right what we don't see is joseph sitting down and saying look i am going to figure out a plan to rule over my brothers I'm, I'm going to, to, to get a, a nice vision board. I'm going to come up with a spider diagram. I'm going to pull together a strategy. I'm going to get a consultant in. And we're going to come up some, with some goals for my life. We're, we're going to do that together. That, that, that's not what happens there. Not that those things are necessarily wrong. But you know what? The source of his dream, the source of what he was called to do, was not Joseph himself. It was that God spoke to him. The foundation of Joseph's dream was that he had a word from God. Every single dream has to start in that place. If we're going to talk about this concept of dreams, if we're going to look at it, it's important that we have the right dream. It's important that we have the dream that God has for us. It is absolutely true that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That is a true statement. It's equally true that his wonderful plan for your life might not look like your wonderful plan for your life. And so what we have to do as Christians, the first step we need to make when we say we're going to follow Jesus is where is he going? What is his dream for me? Not what do I want to do, but what does God want me to do? I think we see in the world plenty of times that there are people who pursue dreams that God has simply not called them to do. Right? I don't know how many of you have seen the early rounds of X Factor, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Someone shows up, 
It's my dream to be a singer. And then it sounds like they're going through surgery without anesthetic. You know, it's like I, I, I dreamed of singing in front of thousands of people. Thousands of people have a dream that you would not do that. Okay, like you have that sense there are people in the world and they're pursuing a dream. But the reality is you, you don't devise your destiny. You discern it. You hear it. You don't make it up. You're given it. It comes from God. That Joseph is there serving, doing whatever God's called him to do. God speaks to him and there's the dream. And it's vital that we do that because God's aspirations come with God's ability. They don't come from within. It's not just enough. Because many times we think, if I just am determined enough, if I go hard enough, if I outwork everyone else, you've been listening to Gary V. if anyone knows that guy's YouTube channel, he is way too intense. And, you know, it's, it's just that sense of, I have to work and, and just strive my way into whatever dream I come up with. But I can just tell you this, if it's God's dream for you, you need God's ability to do it. You can't do it alone. You can't do it. At some point, at some point, you need anointing. You need the power of God. You need something that you can't do. What what if God calls you to do something impossible? God will only call you to do something impossible. That is it, and you will need God for it. And we see that in the life of Joseph. We see Joseph, as soon as he gets this, this dream from God, immediately he's just a leader everywhere he goes. He's put in charge of his brothers. He's put in charge of Potiphar's household, which is like, a, like running a business. He's put in charge of a prison, even though he's one of the prisoners. He's that good of a leader. Uh, and then he's put in charge of an entire kingdom. The gifting of God is with him, and it follows the dream. Um, I, I know in my own life, um, for, for, for far too long, actually, I dreamed of, of being a footballer. Right, I did. Uh, until I, I'm still kind of hoping it works out, to be honest. Okay, I've lost a yard of pace, but I've still got some good touch. Okay, so I'm reckoning Arsenal might give me a call any moment, and I'm ready to go. Okay, um, but but I was always told whenever I played uh, that I had heart, um, which which means which means uh, you try hard and you're still weak. Okay, because I just didn't have it. No one affirmed that calling on my life at any point. I remember at age seventeen. Um, I, I uh, uh, had an encounter with God, powerful encounter with God, and in that sensed a, a call to ministry. And from that point on, I, and I, very raw and, and very, you know, unformed. And I'm, look, I'm still not where I want to be in that in that direction. Um, but from that point on, people started saying to me, "I think there's something on your life for that." I think there's a, there's a gifting, I think there's a calling there to ministry, I think there's a calling to, to preaching or teaching or pastoring. Uh, people began to, to affirm that gifting in me. The reality is that you're only gifted for God's goal for your life. You're only given the tools for his task. That is what he has given you. But here's also the good thing. If he gives you the mission, he will give you the material that you need. Like it comes hand in hand. This ability to do what God has called you to do is connected to hearing what he says. So you have to know if it's God's dream. And can I just encourage you here this morning? We could give a long talk about discerning God's will for your life. I'm not really going to do that. I would just urge you this. Hear from God. Hear from God about what he wants you to do. You, I, I, look, we're, we're, this is a charismatic church. I'm a charismatic. We believe that God speaks. 
I urge you, hear from God. Listen to what he has for you. Give up on your dreams. The second half of the sentence is, but pursue God's dream for you. That's point one. Point two, your purpose does not guarantee your popularity. Your purpose does not guarantee your popularity. See, Joseph gets this dream from God, right? And he goes out and he shares it with his brothers. Now, I've heard people say that Joseph is clearly arrogant here, that it's pride, he's, he, he gets too big for his boots. But I don't actually see that necessarily in the passage. I don't see a sense of him having to repent or turn away from it. Um, we've got to bear in mind, Joseph is like 17 years old when God speaks to him, right? So, so I think we could say he maybe lacked a bit of tact, but, but I don't think he's doing anything sinful here by sharing this dream. I, I think he gets excited, passionate about the word of God. I think God speaks to him, and he's just desperate to share it with the people around him. God's given me this dream, guys, listen up. And, and of course, they don't react the way he assumes, but, but, but ultimately, I don't think he does anything wrong. I, I think he does the right thing. And faith and foolishness often look similar. See, a, a dream will make you different. And that difference is not always popular. Your purpose does not guarantee your popularity. One, one of the things that we see often, we see it in Scripture, we see it with Joseph, um, is that whenever someone has a dream from God that is a big dream, they're immediately accused of arrogance. It's just, who are you? Who do you think you are? Jesus had this. Who's this guy? Is it a carpenter? Mary's son? Who do you think you are? Every single person I know who has had a big dream from God, see, see, the world assumes that they got that from themselves. The world assumes that you just thought you were a great person and you could say this to everyone else, that you could announce that you're going to do this. And the world assumes if it was from you, it would be arrogant. But if it's from God, it's the height of arrogance to tell God that he is wrong. And so Joseph, I don't believe, is being arrogant here. I believe he's being humble, and yet he pays the price anyway. Joseph is unfortunately surrounded by some really unhelpful people in his life, right? Okay, firstly, his dad. His dad is like no help at all, okay? Jacob is this really um, difficult, tricky character in scripture. He's not really, he's sort of a good guy, but he's not that good of a guy. He's uh, just a difficult character. And reading that story, you sort of go, goodness, like, why did God pick him? Well, you know, same for all of us. But uh, so, so, so what Jacob does is he marries f- his four wives at the same time. Okay, now most of you here, maybe you are a woman or you've met one, you know that that's a bad idea, right? Okay, I, I was googling what it would be like to marry to be married to four women at the same time, and the best quote I could find was: "Imagine you're in a bare knuckle fight with a lion, and your four wives join the side of the lion." Okay, like that's that, that's that's where he is, right? So we've got this this family that immediately just has divisions, and he has Jacob has a favorite wife, and then he makes that wife's son his favorite son. He showers him with gifts. He gives him this multicolored coat. And Joseph has to wear that because otherwise he'd be dishonoring his father. But it puts him against all of his brothers. Like, just no help at all. He's not given any help in this situation. Then he gets his brothers. His brothers are a messed up group. His brothers are, if you read about Simeon and Levi, you read about Reuben. These guys are not particularly good guys, right? This is sibling rivalry gone haywire, okay? I have a sibling rivalry with my little brother, 
He's winning, okay? He went to Cambridge, right? He, got, he did a master's in Cambridge in computer science. He's working for Bloomberg. I have yet to throw him down a well, okay? But it is his stag do next weekend, so there's a chance I might. But nonetheless, right, this is serious, uh, there's serious rivalry here. Then there's Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of sexual assault and gets him chucked in prison for something he didn't do. He's, he's, he's got these bad people around him. He's got the cupbearer. I mean, the cupbearer has a dream that Joseph accurately interprets and says, in three days you're getting out of prison, and when you get out, please remember me. And somehow, despite him being an integral part of a massive moment in this guy's life, the guy just turns into Dory from Finding Nemo, five-second memory. How did I get here? I don't know. I'm sure it had nothing to do with a guy called Joseph. Right, So he gets all of these people around him, and even though he has purpose, and even though he has integrity, and even though he has gifting, and even though he has character, he pays a price he's hated anyway. And can I just say, if you're here in this room, at some point, most of us will be there, where you do the right thing, and you act with integrity and wisdom as best you can, as best you know how, and it doesn't work out the way you hope. That will happen to us as believers. We're not guaranteed that it won't happen because your purpose does not guarantee your popularity. Often a dream from God will cost a lot. But listen to this, right? That's why God gives the dream. That's why God speaks to Joseph about this. God doesn't speak to Joseph about what he's calling him to do just because he kind of likes Joseph. He speaks to Joseph about it because Joseph is going to need it. God's saying, Joseph, there are trials coming up. There's challenges coming up. There's persecution coming up. There's issues coming up. You need to keep going because there is a dream that I am bringing to pass through it all. Listen to me. Go with me because there, if you do not quit, there is a destiny for you at the end of this. Do not give up in the middle of it. See, see God's dreams, it's not like a, a winning lottery ticket. It's much more like a military conscript. It's like, here's the task. You're going to have enemies. You're going to have opposition. But you are on the winning side. God gives him a dream because he needs a dream. And ultimately, though people may immediately receive what is the same, they will ultimately respect what is different. And so Joseph gets this dream. You know, for any of us uh, who, who are pursuing God, um, we, we will find people coming the other way. We will find challenges going the other way. Um, John Wesley, many of you know, know of him. He was the founder of the, the Methodist Church uh, in England and, and led a national revival. I mean, transformed the spiritual climate of the UK. By the end of his ministry, uh, one in 30 Englishmen was a, a Methodist, which is just a profound impact for a guy who was traveling by horse. He didn't have internet, right? And, and, and just led the nation into it like a national revival. But, but here's some of his background. Here's his story. Here's some excerpts from his diary. Uh, May 7th, priest in St. Lawrence's was asked not to come back anymore. Don't get any ideas, Craig, by the way. Uh, May 7th, evening, priest at St. Catherine Cree's church, deacon said, get out and stay out. May 14th, priest at St. Anne's, can't go back there either. May 21st, priest at St. John's, kicked out again. Evening, May 21st, preach it since somebody else's, Bennett's maybe. Uh, Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. 
Then the next year, 1939, May 8th, afternoon service, preached in a pasture in Bath. A thousand people came to hear me. September 9th, preached to 10,000 people three weeks in a row in Murfields. You see, it doesn't, a purpose does not guarantee your popularity, but that does not mean that God can be stopped. It does not mean that God can be stopped. So if you're there right now, if you're in that place where you've paid a price for the call of God to pursue that destiny, I just want to tell you this. The opposition is the opportunity. Like, like Joseph, if he doesn't go into slavery, right, then, then he doesn't, doesn't do what God's called him to do. If he doesn't go from slavery into prison, he doesn't meet the cupbearer. If the cupbearer doesn't forget him for two years, then Joseph maybe gets out early and clears off back to where he came from and isn't there at the time when Pharaoh has his dream. You see, it, it might be the case that, that, that people are opposed to what God is doing through you, but God is so powerful that he will use what they are doing to bring it to pass. The opposition is the opportunity. The persecution is the promotion. They thought they were sending him into captivity. It turned out they were sending him into his destiny. They thought they were going to put him in chains. Instead, they put him in charge. They sent him there to rot. It turned out he was going to rule. And that is true for us in the pursuit of God. It might not always be popular, but my goodness, God cannot be stopped. You know, God doesn't operate by democratic vote. He will decide what he is going to do, and he will use those opposed to it to bring it to pass. Third point is this. It can often be a bad journey, but it ends in a good place. It can often be a bad journey, but it ends in a good place. The whole theme of the story of Joseph is summed up in Genesis 50 verse 20, which says, You meant evil against me. This is Joseph talking to his brothers at the end when it's all worked out. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Um, I, I, I haven't nailed down my theology on this. I don't think anyone's really worked this out perfectly in terms of man's free will, God's power. I don't know. I don't pretend to have all the answers. What I do know is this, is that God, though he doesn't uh, cause evil, though he doesn't do evil, though he isn't in evil, he will, when people do evil, he will use it for good. He will use it for good. He absolutely will. And he does it in a way that is profound and that can only be God. Let's say you have a dream from God, right? Let's say say you were Joseph uh, and you get this dream of ruling and authority and doing what what God has called you to do. You you wouldn't come up with a three-step plan that would go, step one, get sold into slavery. Step two, uh, get falsely accused and end up in prison. And then finally, the natural step three, get promoted to the most important place in the nation. Sorry about the water spillage there. You you wouldn't have that kind of plan. It wouldn't look like that. Uh, But yet that seems to be the the method that God uses, the the direction that God takes often in Scripture. Okay, So for Joseph, it goes status quo, down, down again, and finally up. Like that's, that's the trajectory. He goes from kid to captive to criminal to kingdom. And, and this, don't get me wrong, this is a tough journey for Joseph. Like he's 17 at the time. He's 30 when he finally gets promoted. 40 whenever his brothers finally show up and fulfill the dream. And, and unfortunately, Joseph, he hadn't been reading Genesis yet. Right? He didn't know the end of the story. 
He's just going through it, walking through it. And that seems to be the pattern. Jesus has that. It's, he's in glory at the right hand of the Father. Incarnation, down. Crucifixion, down again. And then glory, resurrection in a moment. I, I just want to just tie in to what Craig said at the start about things happening quickly. I, I want to affirm that word about something happening quickly. For those of you who it's been down and down again, can I just prophesy in this room today, things are going to look up. They are going to look up. God moves quickly. When God promotes, it is not just one, two, three, four, five steps. It's one to five in one go. That's what he does. And I'm believing that for us in this room today. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that that trajectory always looks like down, down, up again. I don't know that that's exactly right. We see a little bit of a pattern of it. But, but I'm telling you this. The mission, the dream, the destiny of God it's rarely like a direct flight and more like a pair of hiking boots. It's, there's a direction and there's muck and there's challenge and there's issues and it doesn't go the way you think it might go. But at the end, for every single person, I mean this, every single person, if you are in Christ today, at the end, there is glory. There is glory. There is. Now, I, I can't guarantee you how it's going to work out in your life, but can I just assure you that at the end, there is a palace that you will go into where you will be handed glory and authority. That is coming for each and every single person who is in Christ. That is where our ultimate hope is. And even if you go through your whole life and you don't get a nice 20-year stretch where everyone pats you on the back and tells you how great you are, can I just say, 10,000 years in glory, you'll have forgotten long about it. And so there is glory for everyone in Christ. It may be a tough journey, but it is going to a good place. And and the marvelous thing about this is that we could never strategize our way there. Like we can never, whatever God's plan is for you, it will not look like your five-year plan. Okay, I don't mind five-year plans, but it won't look like that. Because you cannot strategize what can only be achieved by the supernatural. You can't get it that way. The journey will never look man-made. It will look God-made. And you may be asking, why is such a journey necessary? Well, it's a good question. Good time to ask it because it's exactly where I am in my notes, which is really helpful. Um, but here's, here's why. On the way, God refines the goal. And in the end, God receives the glory. In my own life, um, you know, whenever I felt called to ministry, I never wanted it to be in Northern Ireland. I, I didn't, right? And so I went to Sweden and then we moved back here and we tried to move to the UK. And we'd actually prayed and fasted and felt there might be something in that direction. Um, and then I had a ch- it just wasn't opening up, so I had a chat to Andy McCourt, who was our senior pastor in CFC at the time. And he had great wisdom for us. I said, I'll just get plugged in and see what happens. And we did, and we started to realize, hey, we kind of like Northern Ireland, you know, like we actually enjoy it here. It's, uh, and then we actually got a chance to go to, you know, to England and move there. And there we realized we really like Northern Ireland, okay? Like Northern Ireland, people here are awesome. It's like so good. We really miss them. And then God brought us back here. I don't know that if I had designed the goal that it would have looked like that, but God refines it on the way. You don't get the full picture. I don't think Joseph knew that it was going to be in Egypt where this was fulfilled. I don't think he had a clue. I, don't, I think he assumed it was just going to be where he was. But it turned out that God had a better dream than that. He had a better goal for him than that. And God refines it on the way. Not only does God refine it on the way, 
But here's, here's the good bit. At the end, God receives the glory. In, in Genesis 45, verse 7 and 8, sorry, I did say I was jumping around today, um, but it's, it, Joseph says this. He says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. But God. I just love that. But God. Okay, I love a, but, a good but God in the Bible, right? He has made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his houses and ruler over the land of Egypt. Uh, some people in this story primarily focus on perseverance. Perseverance is in there. It's a good story about perseverance. But I think the point of the story is more about providence. It is that at the end of all of this, in this journey, not only will we have achieved what God has sent us to do, but we will have achieved our primary purpose, our pri- the reason why you're here primarily. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You will, at the end of this, whatever it looks like right now, at the end you will turn around and you will say, God did it all. You will say, but God. You say, I I had a dream. I couldn't have planned it like that. I couldn't have foreseen it like that. I couldn't have imagined it like that. I couldn't have strategized it like that. But God, but God did it. Okay, people came against it. The economy tanked. The government did this, a pandemic, whatever. But God, but God, at the end of all of this, we will say, do you know what? We had plans, but God, but God. And so I just want to urge you, it may be a tough journey, but it ends in a good place. Because God, but God. And if you're on that tough journey right now, there is a but God. Just want to invite the the band back up to join join me. We're going to close in a moment. Um, One one last thing, and this actually really ties in with um, with what Craig said earlier. Uh, and I had actually felt that I, I didn't have this originally in this message, um, but I felt to add it in. And so God's shouting at someone in the room today. Okay, I don't know who you are, but he's shouting at you. If you're close to giving up on God's dream for your life, because I reckon there's a good chance that someone here might be in that position. There's an interesting thing happens. Pharaoh has two dreams, right? He has a, a, the fat and the skinny cows, and the skinny eat the fat and stay skinny. And then he has the fat and the skinny wheat and the skinny eat the fat and stay skinny. And it's this picture of seven good years and seven bad years. But there's this moment where Joseph interprets the dream. Uh, and in Genesis 41:32, he says this. This is Joseph just after interpreting the dream. says, and the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. He's saying, look, this dream that you've had, Pharaoh, uh, God's not going to change it. You d- don't pray that it's going to get changed because it's not going to change. It's a guarantee. It will happen. Get ready. Now, how, how, does, how does Joseph know that about two dreams? What does that tell us? Well, Joseph had two dreams. There's two dreams twice in this story at the start and the end. Joseph has two dreams. And yet at this moment, Joseph is still a prisoner. Like he's he, like yeah he's he's standing in front of Pharaoh but like he's not he's not been released he's not been pardoned nothing good has happened to him yet he's just been asked to come and complete a task he does not know how this is going to work out and yet what he says to Pharaoh tells us what he believes about his own dreams he knows he's had it twice 
He's had it twice. God has spoken to him. And what he's saying is, my dream, it is fixed by God. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen. I'm ready. I I just want to urge you in this room today. Look, you, you might feel like you're in the dungeon. But God has a destiny for you. He has it. And you might feel like you're in that point that you're about to give up on that dream. And I just want to urge you, it is fixed by God. It's a guarantee. It will happen. Get ready. You might be in a dungeon, but that will not stop God's destiny.